I'm Lindsay. And I'm Sarah, and together we're the co-founders of Whale Tales, a living library of cetacean stories. Today, we're getting in the holiday spirit by celebrating all things beluga whale. Yay! Plus, Nicole wrote a poem, and (laughs) some sustainable party ideas. Before we get started, we wanted to let you know about our Patreon at patreon.com slash whaletales. Patreon is a site where you can easily support projects like Whale Tales for as little as a dollar a month. You'll get access to perks like an exclusive weekly newsletter and polls where you can help us decide on topics for the podcast. The support of our patrons really means so much to us and helps us run the website and this podcast. So sit back and enjoy as we dive right in. All right, everybody. So why are we talking about belugas for the holidays? I don't know. Why? Um, Because they live... They live in the land of lots of snow up and Santa's and yeah, that's why. (laughs) There's just something about them that like, I don't know. I feel, I feel the Christmas spirit anytime I think about a beluga and maybe it is just because they live in the Arctic or it's because they're white or I don't know what it is. It must be a combo because I don't feel that way about bowhead whales. No, it's true. I don't either. But I don't have a lot of feelings about bowhead whales. So, you know, maybe. (laughs) I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's true. I don't they know. just feel they feel jolly. They feel jolly. They do. They are very happy, smiley animals. Yes. yes. They feel jolly and wintry. Yeah. Yes. That combo. Mm-hmm. There we go. That's probably what it is. So in preparation for our holiday episode, we decided really there was no other option. We had to exactly. talk about our hands. Our hands were tied. <laughs> so Sarah, Lindsay, what are your feelings about belugas? Uh, I'm a fan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Me three. I'm a fan. Um, um, I like them. They're squishy. Yes. <laughs> yes. They are squishy and they look really weird and awkward, but then you see them actually underwater and they like their bodies make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So I like that about them. Yeah. Yes. Makes sense. What? I like all of their noises. Yeah. Yes. They are known as the canaries of the sea because they sing uh, and they make, in fact, many, 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 many different noises and they are (laughs) awesome. Which is probably a fair point or time to say that all three of us have uh, just a little experience with belugas. Mm -hmm. Um, This is true. And that we know lots about them. And so this is probably episode one of many where we will talk about polygons. Yeah. Um, yeah. So today is kind of, you know, again, in sort of the easy, laissez-faire time of the holidays when everyone's feeling fairly stressed. We didn't want to stress everybody out with this episode in terms of like, learn everything about belugas right now. <laughs> um, so this is just us talking about a species that we all love. And we'll kind of go over some of the intro facts about belugas and some of our favorite facts about them. And then probably in future episodes, we will dive into more of the really, really cool research projects going on. And talk about species that we hate. <laughs> there aren't any. No. Spoiler I'm alert. I'm trying really hard now to think of a species. I don't know. Those flippy little dolphins. No, I love dolphins, so I don't know. <laughs> Sarah, can you tell us some of the fast facts to set the stage about this awesome species? Yes. So, beluga whales live in the Arctic. They are large, mostly white whales. They have no dorsal fin, which is an unusual 
um, feature of cetaceans. Um, adults can weigh up to 1,900 kilograms. They can be up to four and a half meters long, and females are about 80% of the size of males. So the males are slightly larger than the females. Also slightly heavier, I would say, from experience. Oh, yes. They're, like, way fatter. The males. Well, yeah. They're, yeah, the males are, oh, like, probably 80% or, like, 20% longer and, like, maybe, like, 40% heavier at <laughs> times of the big. year. Yeah. Real big. Yeah, mm-hmm. they get really chunky. Um, they eat a huge variety of basically anything they can find. They eat um, fish and crustaceans, like all kinds of fish. They eat mollusks and crabs and worms and basically whatever they can find. They aren't super deep divers, but they have been known to go down to about 350 meters to feed. Um, Which is deep. Mm -hmm. It is deep, but it's not that deep in the world of cetaceans. Mm -hmm. And I would say um, a lot of the time of years like especially through the summer they're in more estuary shallow areas so they don't have to go as deep it's um person deep not whale deep yeah true yes true, 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 yes true. yes <laughs> so like i said they live primarily in areas with arctic sea ice um two-thirds of the world's population summers in canadian waters Yay. so they're super important in canada there are a few small populations found further south than the Arctic, uh, basically relics from the last ice age. So there's a population in the St. Lawrence River estuary. Overall, there are 29 different subpopulations of uh, beluga whales, some of which are in much better condition, um, like threat-wise, uh, than others. Uh, there's about 150,000 whales in total. Uh, according to the IUCN Red List, they are listed as near-threatened um, as a total um, species, but I would say that some populations, including the St. Lawrence ones, are uh, in more trouble than that um, global yes. status would imply. Yeah. Yes. Um, but we'll get into stuff like that in a future Beluga episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, there's a lot we could just talk about the St. Lawrence, because yeah. they are yes. unique in the Beluga world. Indeed. Indeed. But let's focus on Arctic, because it's the holidays and we're talking winter. Mm-hmm. So let's focus on their Arctic adaptations, because they are one of only three whale species that spend their entire lives, if they are an Arctic population, as opposed to those weird St. Lawrence ones. Uh, they spend their entire lives in the Arctic. Many, many species of cetacean go up to party in the Arctic during the summer for feeding purposes, but only the beluga whale, the narwhal, and the bowhead live there year round because they are tough yeah yeah. and tough they whales. also have adaptations that help <laughs> them with that so Lindsay, can you tell us about some of the beluga adaptations that help them live up with santa yeah yeah so as sarah said they don't have a dorsal fin um which but they do have a dorsal ridge so some um a dorsal ridge is good for breaking up loose sea ice when they're swimming around uh looking for stuff it's not going to break up any like big pack ice or anything but it will help break up some of the smaller eyes so they can move into other places to help find food. Uh, another reason why they don't have a dorsal fin is that it helps control keep their body warm, like less uh, appendages. Uh, helps keep the wa- the body warm and small, um, and just the blood flow is in the core body as opposed to appendages. They also have small flippers because of that. If you look at beluga whales compared to even something that's almost similar in size, like a killer whale, um, they're pectoral flippers and their tail flippers are much smaller proportionally um they just have little round 
nubby neath kind of things. I'm doing a hand motion, but nobody can see me. It's fine. <laughs> just on the my bedroom floor making beluga fin no, um, no, motions, but that's fine. It's probably not the first time you've done that. <laughs> probably not. Um, so they're small flippers, and they're also really thin flippers. They have no blubber on them what's, um, at all, and you can really, uh, when you look at them up close, you can see their veins, which is really cool. Um, and again, this is just to um, streamline their body so that they are keeping their blood and their warmth where it needs to be under all that blubber. Um, yeah. They are very chunky animals, as we, as Sarah said. Um um, and their blubber, they are an animal that uses blubber to keep them warm. Lots and lots and lots and lots of fat. Uh, and they're white. How much fat, Lindsay? No, I'm not, I'm not doing it. <laughs> I'm saving it for later. Can I do it? Yeah, you can do it. Okay. If everybody makes the hang 10 symbol, wherever you are, wherever you're listening to this podcast, stretch your thumb and pinky as far away from each other as you can, and then stick your thumb up to your belly button where your pinky is, is how much blubber thickness you would have if you were a beluga whale. Yes. Beluga whales are also white, um, as opposed to narwhals are more gray and bowhead whales are normal whale color. Um, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) We're so technical. Brownie gray? I don't know. They're not white. As a species, belugas are the only ones that are white. They also have a lot of gray on them, and their calves are born gray because they're born in the estuary in the summer, so they blend more into the murky waters of estuaries and rivers, and then they turn white uh, as they grow up, which can take quite a long time, over 20 years, and some of them may still have gray patches, and that's one of the ways that researchers use to identify them. So very, very good at living in the Arctic. Um, I'm not going to lie. Once upon a time, I did write a whole interpretive program about why belugas would in fact be better than reindeer to help Santa. (laughs) I remember. (laughs) Deliver presents to ocean animals for the holidays because I'm a a big nerd. Um, But those, even though they have many adaptations to help them survive in the Arctic, they also just have many unique adaptations in general compared to other cetaceans. And so we thought that since we all love belugas and we've also all spent a lot of our lives talking about them to other people, that we could share just our favorite non-Arctic living adaptations about belugas or just our kind of favorite things about them. So does anybody want to go first? Me, me. Okay, me, me. go Sarah. <laughs> um, so my favorite thing about belugas is they have flexible lips. So if you look at a beluga face compared to, say, a dolphin face, they have a really rounded rostrum rather than a pointy rostrum, like a snout, basically. And they have flexible lips. And the reason they have flexible lips is so that they can spray water into um, sand and substrate under the ocean and help to flush out um, small animals that they can eat that live in the substrate. And it's really fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's really fun. They yeah. spit and they're awesome. Yeah. So that's my favorite beluga fact. It's a good one. It's a really good one. Who's next? Um, I will go, but I need some help because I don't remember the full details. But one of my favorite things about belugas and one of the reasons why um, they're so adorable is that they can move their melons um, back and forth, which is a thing that other cetaceans can't really do. Um, and Nick, do you want to tell me why it's something to do with echolocation? Yeah, I, from what I remember, and this is going to be very non-scientific as Mm -hmm. an explanation, basically 
um, if you think about the Arctic and where these animals live, narwhals can do this as well. So this, yeah. is, a, so they're not... this is a feature of belugas and narwhals, which are the two toothed whales that live in the Arctic. Mm-hmm. Uh, to my knowledge, bowheads cannot, but we also don't necessarily know or understand how baleen whales navigate in dark waters anyways yeah. and whether they echolocate that's all up for debate. that's a whole other community. story <laughs> not what we're talking about here um so if you think about the arctic um in ocean environment and remember the fact that for really like five and a half six months of the year it's pitch black so it's very i mean the ocean is dark already but when you factor in the fact that for much of half of the year there's also significantly less sunlight than you would see in a lot of the other ocean areas um it's thought this is one of the hypotheses anyway that just the need to echolocate is greater in the Arctic. And so if you think about sort of the physiology of the melon area, which is where, I mean, every toothed whale has a melon, but it seems to be less flexible than those of the narwhal and beluga. So when Lindsay's talking about them being able to shake their melon, they can just change effectively the shape of their forehead, which is yeah, where their melon which is, is. It makes it really cool because they just, yeah, it changes their facial expression. And it's just like, if you think about a whale and it's just got this crazy actual melon shaped thing that's there's a reason why it's called a melon and it just is moving back and forth on their head and it's just ridiculous it's a ridiculous thing to see so it could be that that evolved because just the need for echolocation is greater but it also could be sort of a byproduct of the fact that both belugas and narwhals are just so much more blubbery than other cetaceans um, and so, you know, if you think about a bottlenose dolphin, they are super streamlined, tough, like their skin is soft, and, but it's very, like, there's not, a, if you were to press it with your thumb, there's not a lot of give mm. to a dolphin's yeah. skin. Whereas a beluga, as we have said, is squishy. It's squishy. It's so squishy. I wonder too, like, do other whales, like, on the inside, they're doing stuff like the same oh, activity yeah, that a blue is, it. but you just can't see it the yeah, same way. I don't exactly. know. Uh, that's at least it's thought that certainly you know everybody, every everybody, <laughs> every cetacean that's echolocating is certainly moving their melon to focus the beams of. We should say this has to do with echolocation because the beams of sound that make the echoes that then bounce off things and come back to the echolocating animal, those sounds are created in the blowhole area, but then focused through the melon or forehead region of any toothed whale that's doing this mm-hmm. and when i say tooth whales i mean dolphins and porpoises too um and then those sounds go out through the melon when they come back they actually go through the lower jaw which then filters right into the internal ear so if you think about echolocation yes it has to do with making sound and hearing that echoes of that sound but all of the physiology going on there is so completely different from just humans making sound usually with our mouths and then listening with our ears. Mm -hmm. Totally. It's so crazy. So, so crazy. Um, And then one just not fun fact that I want to bring up is that um, the song is wrong and Mm. beluga calves or baby belugas are gray. And I think that we should just put this message out into the world and start teaching your children the correct thing. 
and then you together can do... we can change the world. <laughs> yeah, you could do what we have done in our house because, you know, someone out there who thought they were funny for my baby shower for our yet unborn son at the time uh, gave me baby beluga. And I have maybe heard that song more than I ever need to, so I don't need to <laughs> more than I've ever well. heard the song, any other song of my life. Yeah, but as it turns out, James, uh, my son, actually really does love the Baby Beluga book, and so I change the words to that mm-hmm. book every time that I read it. A little gray whale on the go, but also there's a part in the first verse that says, "Is the water warm?" And that's not, Belugas don't live in warm it's never, water. That's dumb. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's is the water cold? Is your mama yeah. home with you? So happy. Um, See, everything still scans. It's great. It does. It totally works. And the gray and white doesn't affect the rhyme scheme either. But what I've done now, because I'm not the only person who reads to my son, and he frequently wants people to read him that book, I've actually, like, taken a Sharpie to the book. (laughs) (laughs) So that he's not getting mixed messages. So, you know, educate educate the masses, people. Anyway, sorry. (laughs) That was my tangent. I just had to stick that in there. Nick, do you want to tell us a fun fact? So we've already talked about the sounds already, and I mean, just the sh- if you want to have a good laugh and warm, fuzzy feelings, you can YouTube, and maybe we'll include some of these in the show notes as well. They're not in there now, but we can look for them. Just YouTube Beluga's making noise, and it's just, there's so many different noises that they can make, and it's really, really cool to listen to. But I think in addition to that, because it's just so so random one of my other favorite things about belugas is that they seem to really enjoy pushing things around on their head so in the arctic belugas have been seen pushing not just you know like logs and other debris around with their melons for no apparent reason other than just because it must be fun but actual antlers of reindeer (laughs) real true caribou reindeer um that have molted off because this is a natural thing that happens it's not like something necessarily bad happened to the poor reindeer um but yeah they've been seen pushing caribou antlers around on their head just because it's incredible I think that's awesome. They're just, they're curious and fun and really, really awesome. Yeah. So thanks for for listening to some of our favorite things about belugas. We know that uh, we didn't dive into a lot of the science or research, and there is some really, really fascinating research going on with this species. But like we said, we wanted to keep it light for the holidays, and it just gives us more opportunities to talk about one of our favorite stations in the future. So now we're going to move on to the fun flipper fact. It's time for... Fun flipper flipper fact, yeah. Everybody ready? Everybody settle in. Grab your hot chocolate. I'm going to tell you a story. Twas the night before Christmas, and all through BC, lots of creatures were swimming and jumping at sea. The waves were all breaking ashore without care, and sea lions roared, so you'd know they were there. Sea otters were nestled all snug in kelp beds. 